Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast, where we believe God is with us and speaks to us wherever we're at, whether at work, home, or on the move. We'd love for you to be connected with us by visiting us at myemmanuelchurch.com or any social media platform using at myemmanuelchurch. Thanks for being with us, and we hope you enjoy this message. We all say amen and amen. Amen, amen. Thank you for joining us here at Emmanuel Church. Today, we are back in the church building. Officially, we have been streaming and live streaming and uh, pre-recording our services for all of you. But we are here live today in the church because next week we are excited to welcome everybody back officially. And our doors will be open for you to be with us here in person as we celebrate Easter. And... um, We'll be having, uh, our, of course, our Easter lessons for the kids and gifts for our chil- for the children that come. So if you got kids, bring them. We want you to uh, celebrate with us. We're going to be celebrating worship and the Word and just the fact that we're going to be here in person. And uh, to correct a mistake of mine that I made last week is that we will also be celebrating our three-year anniversary as Emmanuel Church. I said four, and I got a bit of a head myself. Uh, but three years as well, we will be celebrating our anniversary here. So we are excited for that and to see what God will be doing with us as we move forward and what he has in store for us. Because, I, I mean, I can't tell you, but I'm excited to be able to welcome people back, welcome you back. And uh, we will still be asking you that you stay safe, uh, wear your mask, uh, social distance, use hand sanitizer, and get vaccinated if you can. Um, that that's the best we can do to be able to show love to our neighbors and be safe in, in this time. And hopefully as the, the year moves on, we will be moving to a point where we can say goodbye to the COVID-19 pandemic and move more into a sense of normalcy. But we are glad again that you are here joining us. Take a moment to share this with somebody and invite someone to Easter with you. Come back, but don't come back alone. Come back with somebody with you. And um, we are closing out the series that we've been doing called The Road to Easter. And when we've been talking about the uh, week leading up to the crucifixion. And today is Palm Sunday, and that is the beginning of that week. But we have, at the beginning of the series, I did I spoke a message talking about Palm, Palm Sunday already called Adventures in Missing the Point. And so if you missed that one, you can go back on our website or on our YouTube channel or on Facebook and find those archived messages or listen to the on the podcast. But as we close out, even though it is Palm Sunday, we uh, I'm going to be speaking today on Jesus and the last day that he was here before as he was crucified. And so we're going to be going to John chapter 19, verses 16 to 18. And then we will also be reading John chapter 19, verses 28 to 30. And as we celebrate this, what we call Holy Week, it's a time to be reflective and remember 
although we are supposed to think about Jesus and uh, regularly and have him in mind throughout our week and throughout the, our lives every single day, this is a time that we take special uh, a special moment to just focus in on what happened during Holy Week. We celebrate Palm Sunday in where Jesus entered into Jerusalem triumphantly. And as I mentioned in that message at the beginning of our series, he entered in to bring us peace and to bring us hope and to show that he had come to reconnect us with God. We celebrate the Last Supper and where Jesus took a time to be uh, close and personal with his disciples where he shared a meal with them and shared with them the work that he had come to do. He had shown them so much and up to that point he let, up to that point he taught them so much. And he was giving them uh, a last teaching, last uh, close and intimate time with them. We, 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 we celebrate Good Friday which is anything really but good, which was just a terrible day for Jesus, a terrible day for his disciples. But we call it Good Friday. And Good Friday is about what Jesus did, the work that he came to do, the work that he had been preparing for for those three years. And John chapter 19, verse 16 to 18 says this, As Jesus had been betrayed in the garden of Gethsemane, and he is taken to the leaders, the Jewish leaders, and they're charging him, and they bring him to a man called Pilate, who is the Roman governor. And finally, it says, Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. After a long, a long trial that which Pilate didn't want to be even involved in, and he wanted to set Jesus free, and he wanted nothing to do with this, and he wanted to wash his hands of the whole business. After everything that happened, he finally decided to just give in to the demands of the Jewish leaders and the crowd that had come to turn Jesus in. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified, so that the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. So we see a picture now of Jesus finally here at the point of no return, where we talked and saw him in the garden praying that somehow this might pass, but that the will of God would come to pass because ultimately, because of love, Jesus followed through. And so we now see Jesus in this moment, set to be crucified, lifted up for everyone to see. And crucifixion was a horrible and humiliating uh, punishment. The Romans would set their enemies up and those that were dangerous to the empire up on a cross. For all to see, for all of them, for everybody to see their shame, they were stripped naked of their clothes, hanging there exposed before the world, tortured half to death and left to die an agonizing death. 
And Jesus is here in this moment. And as he, he has been leading up to this, prophesying, speaking about this, and the disciples and others have refused to, uh, to, to believe him. They refused to listen to what he had to say. But it had to happen. It had to happen. And in John chapter 19, verse 28 to 30, as Jesus is on the cross, he speaks his last few words. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of vinegar was there, so they soaked it a sponge in it, but they put the sponge in a, in a stalk of, of the hyssop plant and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. So we are here in this moment where we see Jesus ultimately fulfill what he came to do. He told his disciples that he must be betrayed into the hands of the Gentiles. That someone among them would betray him. That they would deny him and that they would flee and that they would leave. And yet, here he is, now alone on the cross, speaking his final words. It is finished. It is finished. And he wasn't just speaking. Those words are so powerful because it wasn't just speaking to the moment that he was giving up his life. That he had entered into a point where he had nothing left to give in him. There is so much importance of the cross that we often miss what it is. The cross is a mirror of the Passover in the Old Testament. For many of us, we don't know what the Passover is or what it celebrates. But the Passover is a time of Jewish celebration of the, ex of the exodus from Egypt. If you know the story, or have watched The Prince of Egypt, we know the story how Moses was called by God to liberate his people from Egypt. And he did many miraculous things. And among those plagues was a certain one that was the death of the firstborn, where God came to bring judgment. He sent the angel of death to bring judgment on the Egyptian people. But as part of that, the people of God were called to sacrifice a lamb. And the lamb, the lamb's sacrifice was to get their, the blood, some of the blood of the lamb and post, paint it over the doorposts of their homes where they lived. So that when the power of God, when the angel of death would pass through Egypt, it would pass over their homes. And that they would be exempt from a horrible fate. Yet, we need to understand, what we need to understand is that this is a mirror of what is happening in the cross. Jesus represents that lamb. He is that sacrifice. He is the one that came to fulfill that. He was perfect. I, I mean, I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be one of Jesus' siblings. Why can't you be more like your brother? Well, I mean, I wasn't born of a virgin mother, and, you know, he's perfect. I can only imagine that Jesus went through, what, what kind of childhood Jesus went through, because we only, we only get one picture of him when he's 12 years old. And in typical teenage fashion, he's mouthing off to his parents. Now, 
I mean, but kind of, yeah. He gets lost. His parents lose him. You lose a child of God. You lose God's son. He's teaching in the temple, and they find him again. And he's like, don't you know that I would be about my father's business? This is Jesus. He grows up. He, he experiences the life uh, of a, a human. He became flesh. He became like us. Yet, he came as a sacrifice. He came to be like us, to show us a better way to live, to be, be, uh, to be that perfect sacrifice, to be that lamb. So that when we hold on to Jesus, when we have faith in him, in who he is and what he did, that we would be passed over. That sin wouldn't bring us to death. That, that broke, the broken world that we live in ultimately would not defeat us. That the difficult circumstances of life might, might push us down, but ultimately would not crush us. That we would be passed over. Jesus was that lamb. And that lamb is important. Because it represents something deeper. We, we always say about Jesus died for our sins on the cross. But what we, don't under, what, we, what we fail to understand at times is that the significance of that. How important it, uh, it is for us to see what really happened there. When the, when, the, when the Jewish people would make a sacrifice in the temple, and on the Day of Atonement, as they would celebrate this day, they would take a, a sacrifice, one that they would call the scapegoat. And the scapegoat would take all of the sin of the people of Israel onto it. It wouldn't just die for the sin. It would take sin from the people. And become sin. Jesus was that. The, the, the John the Baptist, who was preaching before and was preparing the way for Jesus, when he announced Jesus to the world, he says, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He doesn't just forgive it, but he took it onto himself. He took all of our brokenness, our sin, our mistakes, and our failures, and he took it on himself. He became that. He became that. But, the, but, but I want us to understand that a little more. Like, I remember there was a book that for the life of me, I cannot find anymore. <laughs> it disappeared from, it, it was a book that was lent to me by a friend for, in Bible school, and I couldn't find it. But, I think it was in that moment that I started to understand what it meant for Jesus to take our sin. For Jesus to take our sin. It painted a picture that I've never, I, I didn't understand until that point. I understood that Jesus forgave my sin. I understood that he'd do that. You know, we, we do that at times. People wrong us. We forgive them. It's like, well, I'll forgive you. But we're not perfect, so... There's parts of us sometimes that still hold on to that. They, the, our brain remembers, our mind remembers, our body remembers the wrongs that have been put against us. But Jesus took it. And the way the book painted this picture was just so much more beautiful. 
Because it looks at us, it takes the image of us and it puts it and it lays it over Jesus. This is what was happening on the cross in that moment. He was take the image of our sin, the, the imperfections, the flaws, the everything that we have done wrong was put on Jesus. And while Jesus was on the cross, he is the beloved son who throughout the gospels, we see God saying to him, this is my beloved son. This is the one who I'm in love. Listen to him. He has done good. He walked with God. He talked with God. He knew God face to face more than anyone could ever know. This is the son of God. He is God himself, and he is here on the cross. And yet, in the moments that we see Jesus in this story on the cross, it happens so briefly, so quickly, that sometimes we miss the point. That as God is looking to Jesus, he says, Son of man, my son, why have you lied? Why have you murdered? Why have you enslaved Why have you stolen? Why have you taken? Why have you been unfaithful? Why have you cheated? Why have you committed genocide? Why have you started war? Why have you done this? Why have you destroyed the world that I have left behind for you? Everything that you have done is now on him. Every sin, every fault, every brokenness is now on Jesus. And he takes that on himself. He becomes the very essence of our faults, of our broken world. To the point where Jesus himself even recognizes that something different has happened. And as he is on the cross, he he feels that God, who has looked at him this entire time, can no longer stomach to see his own son. And he cries out from the cross, Father, Why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he feels the emptiness that God has cast him away because of sin, that all of the sin that is ours is now on him. This is the importance of the cross. This is the power of the cross. The power of the cross is that now that it's on Jesus, it's not on us. That we receive grace, even though we shouldn't. That's what grace is. Grace means that we receive something that we don't deserve. Or that you shouldn't get, you know. That we, we, we didn't earn. We, we didn't work for. But Jesus worked for it. He takes our sin. He takes our brokenness. He takes all that we are, all that we have done, the the things that keep us from God. He took that on himself. This is the power of the cross that we are no longer looked at through the lens of our sin. We are now created clean. The Bible tells us that when we receive Jesus, when we make a decision to follow Jesus, to put our faith and believe in him, that we are now a new creation. That anything that marked us before no longer marks us. That who we were in our sin, that who we were before is no longer who we are now. We are now new. We are now clean in his image. We, we, we get a, a reset. You know, so many times that I've lived my life throughout life, I've played video games where you make a mistake or you die or you fail. And it's like, ah, well, all you have to do is push the reset button. 
How many of us would wish life had a reset button that time? It's like, if, if I could just go back and not make that choice, if I could just go back and, and try that again, hit the reset button. And this is what Jesus did. This is what the cross did. This is what his sacrifice did. It hit the reset on the image of God in us. It created, it, it, it created a new opportunity for us to live life to the full. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly so that they're not held down by the legalistic rules of society and of faith and religion, that they're not held down by sin and oppression anymore, that they are not held down by the broken world that they live in, but that they might live new. This is the power of the cross. The power of the cross that creates a bridge for us. That that we are now able to walk into a place where we weren't able to walk into before. When Jesus said those words, it is finished, it did so much. And we don't even think about it. We don't even, Jesus said, it is finished. And that's where we usually finish the story. But in those moments, as he said those last words, a few things happen in that moment. The Bible tells us that the cur- there was a curtain in the temple that protected the holy of holy places. This was the place where only the high priest could go. This is, the, this is a special place where God's presence was accessed. And it says in those moments, as he said, it is finished. The curtain ripped in two, showing us that Jesus had made a way for us to be in God's presence. That it was no longer just one person now. That sin didn't make a difference as long as we held on to Jesus. That he made a way. That he connected us back to God again. Another thing that happened, it says as the earth shook. The earth shook. Sometimes we don't understand what was happening. But it tells us that the the creation itself understood what was going on in these moments. It understood that there was a shift in the world. That there was something that was different now. And the earth shook and caused the curtain to tore. And the earth shook. And there were graves that were opened. And people that returned to life. Jesus, before Jesus even resurrected, Jesus was already bringing life through the cross. And that's what happens to us. If we put our faith in Jesus and him crucified and him resurrected, he brings life to us. He brings life to us. Because it is his love. It is his love that conquers sin and death. The love of Jesus, the love of the Father. The famous scripture that we know, most people know that it's put, uh, athletes use it for inspiration and people use it for inspiration. And yet a lot of people know this scripture and they don't even follow Jesus. They don't even know Jesus and is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God loved the world. This is what we understand through the cross. And this is why, despite the fact that Good Friday should have been Bad Friday, 
It was a bad Friday for a lot of people. We call it Good Friday. Because in those moments of darkness and despair, we find hope and life and love and truth. That we are loved not because of what we have done or what we will ever do. Not because we have earned something or we have, uh, or we have done all the right things. Not because we are perfect or good or kind. Not because we love the way we're supposed to love. Not because we are, are something holy and perfect. But we are loved because of who he is. We are loved because we are his children. We are loved because we are created in his image. We are loved because God is love. That God is so much more then we give him credit for it. He's not just this judgmental God waiting to strike you with lightning the moment you mess up. I've heard so many people relate to God that way. They don't call him, they don't say that. They don't say that. But I've heard people say, I think God is punishing me. I think this is uh this is this is just what I deserve. I think this is what happens because of all that I've done wrong. I think this is that. This is God. But no, he is more than that. The Bible tells us in the book of uh, 1 John that God is love. That everything that he does is because of love. Everything that he does is because that is the essence of who he, of who he is. And so when we look at the cross, it is a symbol of how far God is willing to go, how much he is willing to give up in order to express his love for us. To express who he is to the world around us. This is God. This is who he is. This is what he has come to do for you. And I'm about to finish here. This is what he wants us to know. That if today you find yourself in a place where you don't know where you stand, where you feel distant or alone, where you feel like nothing that you could ever do could fix the problem. Where you feel like nothing can save you or that you are a lost cause. That this Jesus, he is the one who has come to make you new. Who has come to give you hope. That you don't have to do anything but simply believe. But simply believe. So I want to pray with you today. Wherever you're watching from. Wherever you're at. Or if you're one of our team members here today. That Jesus is here. For you. Father we thank you. In this moment. For your word. As we remember. What Jesus has done. Or as we learn what he has done for us. Help us to know him. Help us to know the one who gave his all. 
Help us to know the one who took our pain, our sin, our brokenness. Help us to know the love that you have extended to us so that we might have hope and had a chance to understand that we can start again today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close today, the worship team will lead us in a a moment of worship. And my challenge for you today is just take these moments reflect on what Jesus has done for you start the conversation start the walk again even if it's been a long time and it's felt like a long time or you feel distant he is here to give you another chance again if you don't know him he is here so that you might we hope you've enjoyed hope this to- message. We'd love to hear your story about how you've been blessed by this ministry or how we can pray for you. To connect with us, you can email us at amen at myemmanuelchurch.com. And if you would like to support us financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com give. Also, if you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person for the full worship experience. Thanks again, and we hope you have a blessed week.